Hi, I'm Charles Christoph Carter. And I'm his mom, Ellen Carter. We're both writers and have set up this podcast so that we can share the stories we write with you. We'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Serial Dreadfuls, your place to find original content covering everything from dark historical fiction to science fiction, horror, adventure, and the supernatural. As always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks. It really helps. Joe Martin left the city in his career as a homicide detective for the tranquility of the country and the less stressful job of town sheriff. Just as things seem to be going right in Joe's life, a string of gruesome murders rocks his small town. No pattern, no motive. The only thing tying the murders together is the opportunistic nature of the perpetrator's heinous acts. Together with his former partner, Will Joe be able to stop whoever, or whatever, is running rampant in his small New England town? You are about to find out. And without further ado, Serial Dreadfuls presents Yard Work. Written by Charles and Ellen Carter. Narrated by Ellen Carter. On November 9th, the hoary witch of winter finally appeared. The weeks preceding her arrival had been cold but bearable. Her gusty, frigid winds clawed at the last scarlet and pale yellow leaves that had managed to cling tenaciously to otherwise stark, lonely branches, resting and tearing them from their lofty perches, swirling them up in her victory dance over autumn, and mingling them with those that had fallen long before her sudden arrival. They were blown first one direction and then another, her prisoners, forced to follow her fickle nuances as she brought her overdue cold northern winds to bear down on the mountainous land. The door of the warm two-story white frame house opened. A shaft of yellow incandescent light spilled out onto the gray sidewalk and an early winter wind rushed past the two girls, standing there in the doorway. Oh, it's gotten so cold. Are you sure you have to go home now, Judith? If you wait for Mom, she can give you a ride, Chrissy Kittredge coaxed. No, Chrissy, I'm already late. I should have been home half an hour ago, Judith said, hastily pulling on her coat. Wait, just a minute. Chrissy said, running to the hall closet, pulling out a fluffy acrylic pumpkin-colored scarf. She came back a moment later. You don't have a scarf. Borrow mine. You can bring it back when you come on Saturday. Judith took the scarf from her friend and placed it around her neck, throwing one end of it over her right shoulder as she arched her back, put one hand on her hip, and struck a model's exaggerated pose, like one they'd seen in a fashion magazine they'd been looking at. Oh, it's Trey, Trey Chic, 
Chrissy giggled. No, it's not. It clashes. It's a fashion faux pas. Both girls laughed. But it'll help keep you warm. Now don't forget to ask your mom if she can bring you early on Saturday so you can help me set up for the party. Judith, are you sure you won't wait for mom? It's starting to get dark, Chrissy said, frowning, a look of concern on her face as she looked out the open door. No, Chrissy, I'll be all right. And I won't forget to ask my mother about coming early, Judith said confidently as she waved goodbye to her new best friend. Judith made her way quickly down the walk toward the dirt and gravel shoulder of the small two-lane blacktop road, the shaft of light still falling along the walk, her shadow fading as the incandescent light lessened. A cold gust of wind pushed past her, buffeting her, taking her breath away as it headed toward the open door. She glanced over her shoulder, watching for a moment as it reached Chrissy standing in the doorway. Her friend gave an exaggerated shiver, smiled, waved, and closed the door. A moment later, Judith saw Chrissy's face appear at the living room window. Judith laughed and pulled her hat on over her dark brown hair and zippered her jacket, secured the orange scarf, and brought her jacket collar up around her neck. Another gust of cold winter air swept past her, biting at her face, bringing a stinging rose to her porcelain cheeks. She hunched her shoulders against the bitter afternoon chill. A sudden change of weather like this was what her grandfather called a cold snap, a precipitous omen of an open winter. Kicking the ground with her shoe, she found it stiff. Before long, it would be frozen hard with frost. Judith turned her young white oval face up toward the hard leaden sky that only hours earlier had been clear and sunny. Her soft blue eyes fell to the horizon. The mountains that had been washed with muted colors now stood dark and somber, their surfaces covered with distant outlines of an assemblage of naked trees bowing reluctantly before the north wind. She frowned. I should be home finishing my homework. Oh, why did I let Chrissy talk me into staying longer? But she knew why. They'd been talking about and planning Chrissy's birthday party. Judith stared up the road. She knew that if she took the road, her parents would be home at least 20 minutes before she would. She sighed. If I'm not home before Dad and Mom, they won't allow me to go to Chrissy's birthday party on Saturday. Everything will be ruined. She looked across at a tree-covered slope to a narrow and frequently used path that was barely visible in the fading afternoon light. It led to the top of the embankment, where it became more defined, more frequently used, as it wound its way through a wooded area to a distant field with a swing set and a jungle gym that she and her friends used. The isolated playground was only 150 feet from the picket fence that ran the length of her backyard. If she took the path, she knew she could be home long before her parents arrived. The leaden sky was growing darker. 
Another gust of wind pushed past her, picking up dead leaves that lay alongside the road, seeming to breathe new life into them, making them skitter across the blacktop. She glanced back over her shoulder at her friend's face at the window, taking a deep breath, pushing back her fear, and summoning every bit of her courage, she hurried across the blacktop. As she climbed to the top of the slope, she stumbled against a partially frozen ground, lost her footing, and began to slip back down. She caught at a small sapling and pulled herself forward until she reached the top of the bank where the path continued. She looked down the narrow footpath, twisting off into the woods, fading into the distance, and the long shadows the trees cast in the November dusk. It can't be my fastest run. I don't want to get a stitch in my side before I reach the playground, she said softly, calmly, the way her parents spoke to her when she was frightened. She began to run. She stayed to the path, the failing light and the fast-approaching darkness, making the woods look ominous. Large trees cast dark shadows around her. They encroached upon the path, here and there blocking what little light remained. Their dark edges hinting of things her vivid imagination interpreted as frightening. Within the darkening shadows of the woods that surrounded the path, she heard the rustling of leaves. It's just the wind, she said to herself, not wanting to give in to her fear. Instead, as she ran, she thought of Chrissy's birthday party. She didn't know why Chrissy had chosen her to be a part of her little group. She wasn't as pretty as Chrissy or as smart, and she certainly didn't have Chrissy's outgoing personality. Chrissy always wore just the right clothes, had all the latest CDs, and she seemed to know all the gossip at school, even about the kids in high school. Over the past few months, she and Chrissy had become closer than any other girls in their group. When Chrissy decided to have a sleepover after the party, she was the first one Chrissy invited. This afternoon, they had stumbled upon one of the presents Chrissy's parents had gotten her, a complete makeup kit with real lipstick, eyeshadow, and blush. It even included a bottle of glittery nail polish. The two of them had decided that everyone would have a complete makeover. It was going to be the best birthday party she had ever gone to. She had to be there. Besides, she just promised Chrissy she'd be there. She slowed to catch her breath to avoid getting a stitch in her side. That's when she became aware of the rustling of the leaves again. She wondered if it had ever really stopped or if she had just tried to dismiss it. It sounded like someone was keeping pace with her. Her heart began to beat faster. Her stomach muscles tightened. Her fear grew. Was there someone out there? Following her? Trying to scare her? Who would do such a thing? Gudgy Sweet came to mind. He had tried to frighten her on this very path just last summer. He had chased after her with a snake and had called in a taunting voice that he was going to shove the slithering reptile down the back of her shirt. 
She was a fast runner, faster than Gudgie's sweet. She had veered off the path and into the woods to avoid his pursuit. She stopped abruptly. The thought that it might be Gudgie's sweet somehow made her less frightened. Straining to see into the darkening woods, she called out in an accusing voice. Gudgie? Gudgie's sweet. I know it's you trying to scare me. You better stop it. I see you standing there. She lied. The sound had stopped as soon as she had. The knot in her stomach tightened. You better answer me. If you don't, I'm going to tell my father. There was no reply. She raised her voice. As soon as I get home, I'm going to tell my father how you followed me and tried to scare me. He's going to see that you get into a lot of trouble. There was silence. Above her, the wind moved restlessly through the treetops. The gasp of surprise caught in her throat as the sudden fluttering sound of a murder of crows taking flight from their roost clawed at her chest. Her body jerked, but her feet were unable to move from the spot where she stood frozen. She looked urgently up into the darkening sky, shaken momentarily until she could place the dark silhouette of the birds vanishing across the treetops. She half hoped it was Gudgie Sweet out there in the woods waiting for his chance to jump out from behind a tree or some bushes and frighten her. What if it wasn't? What if it was somebody else or something else? She fought to keep her imagination in check. Her only thought was to reach her home just beyond the playground. She began to run again. Her pace was faster. She could feel the adrenaline racing through her body. She was almost to the playground, almost home. As she approached the park-like stand of large fir trees that marked the beginning of the playground, she stopped abruptly. There, just ahead in the clearing, even with the failing light and the gathering dusk, she could see the outline of five, no, six, shapes on the playground. She stood there, breathing hard, small clouds of vapor escaping from her mouth. As she watched their wild and frantic movements, tails erect, some with heads down, others sniffing the air, she remembered her father saying that he had seen a pack of koi dogs a few days ago. They were dangerous. He said they weren't afraid of humans. She watched them closely as they ran back and forth. They stood between her and home. She wondered if it could have been a koi dog that had been following her just now, keeping pace with her as she ran along the path. Cautiously, not wanting to draw their attention, she quietly backed away in the direction from which she'd just come. She stopped on the path, staring into the woods for several long moments, listening for the rustling sound of the leaves that had followed her as she ran along the path. Now she heard nothing and saw nothing. She looked back toward the playground. How long will it be before the koi dogs pick up my scent? 
and come to investigate. She glanced down the path in the direction of Chrissy's. I'm fast, but I could never outrun them. She looked into the darkening shadows of the woodlot. Suddenly, an idea came to her. She would cut across the woodlot to the road. Once there, she would be almost home. Summoning what little courage remained within her, she quietly stepped off the path. She knew that the road couldn't be far because that's where she ran when Gudgy Sweet chased her with the snake. That's how she got away from him. But it all looks so different now in the darkening shadows. She listened again for the sound that seemed to be following her as she ran toward the playground, but heard nothing. The sound that you heard was probably nothing but the wind playing in the leaves. Nothing more than that, she told herself as she pushed hastily through the stiff naked bushes, the heavy underbrush, and the thorny, creeping brambles that grew next to the path. They clawed at her clothing. At the same time, she felt the small feelings of disquiet that made her throat dry, made it hard to swallow. She hesitated. Scaredy cat. Great big scaredy cat. That's what Chrissy would have called her. It was just your imagination. There was nothing there. But then she heard it again. The sound that she had said was only her imagination the rustling of leaves. She pushed through the last of the brambles and entered the woodlot. Unencumbered by the brush and brambles, she picked up her pace. There were old trees, young trees, some that were growing quite close together and deadfall. She was moving faster now than through the underbrush and brambles, but not as fast as she wanted to. All she wanted to do was get to the road. She could still hear the rustling sound. It seemed to be following her. She came to a large fallen tree, slick and covered with moss. What is this doing here? I don't remember this. It wasn't here when I ran away from Gudgy. Maybe I took the wrong turn. But I know that the road is right over there. She frantically climbed the slick log, her heart beating rapidly. Losing her balance, she fell. As she fell, a sharp splintered branch from the deadfall ripped through her jeans, cutting into her leg. The pain shot through her body like hot fire. She cried out. She landed hard. Large, heavy tears rolled down her cold cheeks. Her leg throbbed with pain. She grabbed it, clutching at it, holding it, trying to ease the pain. She felt the wetness of her own blood. Tears marred her vision. She looked around in the gathering gloom. She slowly pushed herself to her feet, trying to keep the weight off of her injured leg. The sound seemed closer than ever. What had been small feelings of disquiet just moments before had grown into fear, a soul-wrenching fear that soon became an unreasoning hysteria. Not far from where she stood, off to her left somewhere, she heard a tree branch break, followed by a heavy thud. Tears streamed down her cheeks. Forgetting about the pain in her leg, she began to run. Half running, half stumbling in the dark woods, she pushed blindly past two large maples and the low-hanging branches of an evergreen with one of its anchor roots above ground. She tripped on its root. 
and she fell to her hands and knees onto a thick blanket of pine needles covered by leaves and fallen branches. She heard the rustling sound again, but now it seemed to be all around her. Tears still streaming down her face, frantically, she struggled to her feet. Her heart was beating wildly. Her breath was coming in short, quick bursts. She knew now that there really had been someone out there following her, watching her. She began running again, confused now about the exact location of the road. The sound became louder, more intense. Something hit her shoulder hard. For a moment, she thought she might have run into a jagged tree branch. A sharp, dull, sickening pain swept through her body. She quickly turned, stumbled back, eyes wide, a scream caught in her throat. She raised her arm in a defensive move as she fell to the forest floor, driving the air from her body. And now, a preview of our next episode. Sheriff Joe Martin goes out to John Fayette's farm to talk to the old farmer. The elderly man is burning brush in the middle of his field. When Fayette's dog continuously tries to burrow into one of the piles of brush, the sheriff decides to investigate. What he finds stuns all of Grover's Notch. If you'd like to get the next free episode early, please consider becoming a Patreon member. It only costs $3 a month to join. That's less than a cup of coffee from you-know-who to enjoy access to compelling original storytelling. That's not the only benefit of being one of our Patreon members. In addition to early access to free episodes, only our Patreon members will have access to each new weekly episode of the second half of each book after the free portion of the book is over. And that's not all. Our Patreon members will also be treated to our periodic commentary, as well as having access to the entire back catalog of our episodes as our podcast goes forward. So please, click the link in the show description now if you're interested in becoming a Patreon member. Also, please note that you can follow us on Twitter at sdreadfuls, We will use Twitter to make any announcements concerning the podcast, like letting you know when the free portion of a book is about to end and when a new book will begin. We'd like to thank you for listening to Serial Dreadfuls. As always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Mm -hmm.